Good afternoon. We're back with another episode of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast. Uh, first episode actually in the new year, 2021, but definitely not a new guest. Uh, Michael Weisenberg is coming back on the podcast. Uh, been been a while since we we chatted. He's been been busy knocking out podcasts of his own week over week. But Mikey, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Sean. Thank you so much for having me back. And it is always great to be on the Sean Mo Hoops podcast. Oh, I know we've both been been watching a lot of college basketball and, and basketball in general. We haven't really caught up. Uh, I have been listening to your podcast, uh, but we'll we'll definitely be interested to kind of get your your thoughts on what's been going on. But before we kind of jump into the college scene, I know you've been really focused on the NBA rookies as well as just um, on Wednesday releasing kind of your, I guess, mock lottery lottery pick. So was curious if you could uh, just talk about the most recent podcast that you did with your brother and maybe if there are any uh, surprises in that, that lottery. Yeah, it's been great to just do the podcast weekly with my brother. I also did a podcast recently that I really liked with uh, Raphael Barlow, who runs NBA Draft Junkies. Uh, they have a great YouTube channel, and we did a podcast on some under-the-radar prospects. But my brother and I, the last couple podcasts, we did rookie check-ins where we were going to do one episode of that but ended up doing two because my power went out during uh, week one. And uh, so, yeah, we, we went over kind of like the all-rookie first-team likely guys in the, the first week, and then we touched on some – players who were starting to do really well in the second week also it's been a really great rookie class so it's just been kind of nice to see all of these guys making immediate impact in their roles um and then this past week i did my first mock lottery and just kind of going over some of the draft prospects that i like so far uh i guess you know i i'm pretty high on, on keon johnson and it's it seems like the, the top five right now, uh, Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and then the G League Ignite guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green. So I had Keon Johnson as the sixth guy, um, had Moses Moody right after that. And then you can check out that uh, NBA mock draft lottery on Viseland, which you can find on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Great. Uh, and, I, and I know they've been been coming out every week, so I guess uh, we'll, we'll touch on on two things. One, Keon Johnson, a freshman freshman wing from Tennessee, uh, who was you know from a high school ranking kind of a, a lower five star, high four star, but I know has gotten a lot of love in the very early mock drafts, and he's currently averaging nine points a game in in about twenty two minutes, and has not been uh, very effective from the three-point line, but has been able to get to the rim pretty well. Uh, and I know he's very athletic, but curious your thoughts on him kind of coming into Tennessee. Obviously, you still have him uh, ranked very high. Um, so do you think he'll, he'll I, I guess, go after this year? Or do you think he might stay around for another year? Um, or or what, what are you, I guess, what are your overall thoughts on Keon? Well, I, I feel like he's likely a one and done, but th there certainly is a chance that he comes back. They obviously we know that Tennessee got a really late start. 
Um, and then he initially came off the bench, but I think he's just become more and more important for their team, along with another freshman in Jaden Springer. And I, I just see a lot of talent there. He was um, at USA Basketball, where uh, you and I both went, Sean, and he was one of the standouts at the October minicamp in 2019. Um, just a tremendous athlete. And then his defensive playmaking and just lateral quickness in general, uh, vertical athleticism all really stood out. I believe in his shooting, and I know he's not shooting very well right now, but I just have a feeling that it's going to get better from here. And, um, yeah, I just kind of believe in him as a player and just with somebody with that kind of athletic skill set, with that ability to play defense, he's somebody that I'm just betting on right now. And, uh, yeah, that's why I would lean towards him likely um, at least testing the waters and and seeing what's happening in the NBA draft because I I just think some team's going to be really interested in uh, what he can bring to the table. Yeah, I, I would imagine he's definitely not going to stick around, uh, especially given given how many freshmen are, are going early these days. But um, as you mentioned, I was at the USA basketball camp, which feels like ages ago, which which yeah. by now, and by now it, it really was. Uh, and remember the athleticism and, and how well he played, but was always, I guess, a little skeptical of, of maybe the hype that was surrounding him uh, coming into the season. Uh, but you know, I think for Tennessee, there is also a lot of expectations. And as you mentioned, they they started late in December, um, started really hot 7-0. and And it looked like might really be the class of the SEC. And then they lost to Alabama to kick the year off, which now definitely doesn't look like a, a bad loss with how Alabama's playing. But then they, they got destroyed at Florida and then lost to Missouri before riding the ship against Mississippi State. So you know, two talented freshmen, but definitely a team offensively that uh, still has a ways ways to improve. So we'll be we'll definitely be interested in watching Keon. And this weekend they're going to be playing Kansas in the SEC Big Twelve showdown. So I think that one that will be an interesting matchup, especially given some of Kansas's athleticism athleticism on the wing. Absolutely, and yeah, that, that is definitely going to be a, a game that I want to watch. They've been a really fun team, but yeah, like it seems like a lot of what makes them fun is on the defensive end and with that athleticism and with still developing prospects on the offensive end. Um, and then in two of their SEC losses, they were without uh, Jaden Springer, who I think has been like a really valuable kick for them when he's either started or come off the bench. So yeah, if they're at full strength, they have a, a pretty formidable team, and they're just fun to watch regardless. Well, I think later we'll, we'll get to another fun team to watch in, in the SEC, but staying on kind of your top five, you mentioned Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga, so two potential top five picks that uh, I guess everybody knew of coming out of high school but have been a little quiet since they are playing on the new G League team. And I know you're excited for the, the G League season to, to kick off and especially getting to watch a little bit more of both of those players. But, um, you know, do you th- I'm curious your thoughts on how they'll do in the G League season and how, you know, will that kind of capture a new, a new audience for the G League, at least in the short term with these games on TV? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a must-watch if you're a draft fan um, because I, I know so many, so much of draft Twitter hasn't had a chance to see the G League elite scrimmages. They, the video just got to a select few people, and luckily enough, um, I've been working with Pro Insight, and I want to shout out the founder of Pro Insight, uh, Matt McKay, former NBA scout with. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers and the Charlotte Hornets on becoming a father. So big shout out to Matt and his wife, Tracy, uh, on their newborn daughter. But um, yeah, the very lucky thing that happened with uh, Pro Insight is that we got the footage for the G League scrimmages. And you can find that on our Pro Insight YouTube channel. And we have highlight videos for Kaminga, for Jalen Green, for Dacian Nix, for Isaiah Todd, for Kai Soto. So, yeah, just check those out for sure. But I was very excited to hear about this G League bubble. And I was, I think, most excited about the G League Ignite team and the fact that they are going to be playing 15 games. Um, and it looks like it's going to be from February 10th to March 6th. They're going to the Disney bubble. And uh, the first game they play is on February 10th against the Santa Cruz Warriors. I expect the G League Ignite team to likely get rocked. And I, I think it's going to be tough for them to win games. But it's going to be all about the, I, I think, the two potential top five picks or at least, like, likely lottery picks in Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green, who just stand out so much in terms of, physical tools and athleticism. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, it'll be about the rest of the team. And I, I think it's going to be more about development than winning with them. Uh, so yeah, they winning may be hard to come by for the G League night team. Yeah, it'll definitely be fun to watch, watch those two. I mean, I don't know how many ESPN plus uh, G League night games I'll be watching, but I'm sure the highlights <laughs> will be highlights will be out and, you know, Jalen green, definitely kind of, you know, an elite athlete. And when I got to see him play going into his junior year, um, after a tournament in California, I thought he might be the best player in high school at the time, um, even above uh, the class of, uh, you know, the class above him with Wiseman, et cetera. Uh, and then got to see Kuminga yeah. last year at the Pangos um, tournament. And right off the bat, you could just see, you know, just kind of athletically with his size and, and what he did, he was on kind of a, a different level than, the majority of other players. So it'll be fun to watch them together, but I'm also curious in terms of an, another guy, Isaiah Todd, um, how, how he looks. Cause he was a guy that, you know, when he walks on the court, looks like he could be a lottery pick. And then one, once he gets in the game, you know, he has some spurts where he makes, makes that a belief, you know, makes you a believer of that. But then other times he is kind of coasting and, and not really, in the game. And I feel, especially this year, you know, it could have been fun watching him at Michigan with how they play yeah. uh, their style of, of, you know, really spreading the floor, being able, being able to shoot the ball, uh, good defense. So I think he'll be an interesting case study to see, you know, how does he do in this, in this bubble? Um, and then how, where does he go when it comes time for the draft in the spring or in the, in the summer? Yeah. And I saw that uh, Brian Shaw was really talking him up. Um, he struggled in the first two scrimmages like that. That's for sure. He was, I, I believe, like uh, at the usual kind of Isaiah Todd rough shooting days and uh, 
had a, a tough time getting to the rim, didn't really uh, finish many of his, his jumpers. So, yeah, that I think him having that process and that ability to kind of, you know, work through some of those mistakes because he's going to have to play for them. Um, they, you know, they want to showcase these prospects and hopefully have him become draftable. So, yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen how he, he looked in Michigan as well. And he's one of those guys who always, like, you know, just from the eye test is uh, was an intriguing prospect. Yeah, definitely. Um, but kind of going going back into the college, I want to, you know, right now we're really halfway through conference play already, um, even though a lot of teams have, have played each other twice and missed games, et cetera. But, you know, for the most part, seven, eight, nine, nine games in. So there is a, a decent sample size. So I wanted to go through and, and kind of do our old buy-sell on a few teams. Uh, so I know we, we talked about a few, but if there are any that you think of, especially on the uh, Pac-12 side that you want to throw out, I'd be more than more than uh, open to chat about. But the first team, kind of going back to the SEC, is Alabama. Uh, they were a team that played in the Maui Invitational in in Asheville, and they lot they got smoked their their first game uh, against Stanford, as I think they were a, a two and a half point favorite, and ended up losing by eighteen to a Stanford team that I thought was going to be pretty good and they've kind of been been treading water uh alabama also lost to clemson and western kentucky um so they they were only four and three but they have turned it around winning 10 in a row including nine in the sec and you know they're from a stat perspective they are extremely intriguing uh you know they play at a at really well, what was the fastest tempo in the SEC is now actually actually second. But um, overall, they're number nine in the country in uh, time, basically possession and tempo length. But they're also shooting 41% from three. So it's, it's really like you're playing a video game where they get, you know, they get the ball, they're pushing, they're looking for an open shot, uh, and, they're, and they're not afraid to let it fly. But even against Kentucky, where it was a much slower game this week, they still found a way to win. Um, so I was curious your kind of thoughts on Alabama and if you were buying or selling Alabama given kind of right now you see them really as a as almost a two seed um, in a lot of the, the early, um, I guess, early mocks, mock brackets. I would have to say I'm, I'm buying them. Like they, they've been really impressive. And um, yeah, I think that... Um, Jesus, that forty-one percent from three is crazy. Especially <laughs> and, how, uh, how quickly they're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously, like John Petty coming back has been a guy that tested the waters the last few years and has always been a a really high volume three-point shooter who could get really hot. Um, it just seemed like, and, and also like. Javon Quinterly and Jordan Bruner, really like key transfers coming in. Uh, Josh Primo's really stepped up over the last little while. Um, he, he was a highly regarded recruit from uh, via Canada and Huntington Prep. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I'd say I'd, I'd have to buy because they've just been kind of running through the SEC so far. And it seems like uh, Nate Oates really has these guys playing together and playing in a, 
a pace that seems to be really tough to stop. And uh, yeah, just crazy. Yeah, if nothing, they're they're definitely in terms of fun teams to watch. I'd say in the top, you know, top three for sure of of entertainment. Um, I think you, you mentioned John Petty, and he's a guy I got to see. He actually played as Rayshon Hammonds in a City of Palms game way back, and uh, they got they kind of went at it. So I've always uh, kind of had my eye on on Petty, and it you know was was probably a guy I didn't expect to still be here four years later but um here he is you know pretty athletic off two feet really good shooter uh where he's shooting over 40 percent from three and then you mentioned quinterly another city of palms guy and obviously he didn't really fit in well at villanova but you could always tell he's kind of like you're just a, t- a typical college point guard that can really control the game um and, and is really you know a true a true point guard that can score and then you know Herbert Jones at six eight, I think has been been really interesting in terms of everything he brings to the the floor. From uh, he's been shooting the ball well, but uh, attacking, dishing, rebounding, he's kind of done it all. He's also played kind of a, a backup center role. Um, so yeah, they've been they've been fun. You know Kentucky did give them a scare, but they they survived. Um, you know they they kind of shocked Tennessee on the road early on and you know they they have Oklahoma LSU Missouri coming up so a few good games and I think one that everybody will be watching at the end of the season uh first week of March is their rematch with Auburn who was really you know a pretty pretty poor team to start the year but now that they have Sharif Cooper back you know they're playing fantastic in the in the SEC and they just put up 100 over 100 points uh, on South Carolina over the weekend. So, you know, I think the SEC is, has been, um, you know, they've been recruiting well for various reasons, uh, but they've been, <laughs> been getting a lot of athletes and a lot of talent. And I think we're starting to see that, you know, really come up to the top in terms of entertainment. So I would agree I'm, I'm buying Alabama uh, right now. Um, and I guess while we're on the SEC, just one other guy, I'm curious if you've watched him at all, but uh, DJ Stewart from Mississippi State, who's a, a sophomore wing, um, you know, he's been playing playing pretty well, definitely kind of made that freshman to sophomore leap. Uh, I don't think he's really in any of the mocks quite yet, but given his size and skill level, whether it's this year or next year, I could see him starting to move up. So he's a guy in terms of, Mississippi State that I've that I always have my eye on when I'm watching when I'm watching that team play. Yeah, I actually haven't had a chance to see DJ Stewart yet, but you are not alone. I have had a few other people ask me about him, and he's going to be somebody that I really have to watch over the next little while because I uh, keep hearing about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd say I'd say that if I had to watch a conference. Uh, probably haven't said this before about college basketball, but the SEC, I'd say the SEC is probably the the top one just in terms of top to bottom, followed by the Big 12, which leads me to, uh, will kind of surprise you with this one, but are you right now uh, I'm looking at uh, the Ken Palm kind of conference rankings, and mm-hmm. they have Big 10, number one, which makes sense, 
Um, yeah. Big 12, number two, and ACC, number three, ahead of the SEC. Um, are you buying or selling the ACC as a conference? I mean, <laughs> I'd say, like, outside of a, a couple teams this year, it's kind of hard to buy conference. Like, Baylor and Gonzaga have just been so dominant that you don't really know what's coming out of so many of these other conferences. The Big Ten obviously has a lot of great teams. Um, I would probably sell the ACC and the SEC. Like, I just am not crazy about anybody in either of them, like, just being a – I don't know. I, I guess, you know, you have, like, Alabama who have shown that they can be just a highly explosive and great shooting team. Um, I'm still not sure what to think about Virginia yet. And um, just, yeah, it seems like a lot of the teams in the ACC aren't necessarily bowling me over. So I, I would probably, like, sell the ACC overall in terms of how competitive they are in March. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think probably for the first time I, I turned on the TV, uh, so Wednesday night, and Clemson was in a close, low-scoring battle with Louisville. And Maryland and Wisconsin were in a close, low-scoring battle. And it ended up turning out that I didn't actually get the Clemson game. But when I was deciding which games to watch, I actually decided to go with the Big Ten, which is, for me, almost unheard of. Uh, but I think also yeah. speaks to uh, the ACC in general. Just, you know, it, it's... As a as an ACC fan, now obviously you know Duke and Carolina are not at a championship level, but just in general, and I feel like it's been like this you know for a while with the expansion. But you know you have so many teams, and with that, for the most part, the, a lot of the teams from the Big East have really underperformed. Um, not to mention some of your your longstanding ACT, ACC teams, uh, you know Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, et cetera just have not been been very competitive. Um, and with that, you have kind of a conference that used to be an up-tempo, talented, entertaining conference. And now I feel for the most part is almost, you know, switch places with the Big Ten uh, in terms of level of play, uh, entertainment, tempo, et cetera. Um, but that being said you, you said, you said you weren't sure what you thought of UVA. And I know we had them on our, on our buy-sell. And... Mm -hmm. As much as I hate to admit it, I, I am buying UVA. Um, I did thoroughly enjoy watching Gonzaga thrash them. And while I'm definitely not a, a fan of Kihi Clark, um, it's been, you know, for what they've been able to do, while a lot of schools are focusing on one-and-done freshmen, you know, after they won the championship, they went after Sam Hauser, and then, you know, a year later they get Trey Murphy, so here they are, probably one of the more experienced teams from a junior senior level, and with them playing five, really a five-out system, you know Jay Huff is definitely in the lead for I would think ACC Player of the Year, um, and then you have the team that has completely revamped their style of play and is shooting almost forty percent from the three-point line. Um, so, you know. To, you know, and and then you add in obviously their defense, which I think helps them against a lot of these subpar subpar teams. Where you know it, it 
they're not making mistakes. They're playing great D, and that sets them up for right now. They've won 15 games in a row in the ACC, which, once again, Tony Bennett has just pretty much dominated the conference uh, during the regular season. Um, so I would say I'm I'm buying UVA. I think they're really you know they might lose at most you know maybe two two to three ACC games. Wouldn't be surprised if they only lost one or, or even ran the table, um, just given a mixture of how how kind of weak the conference is as well as how well they're playing. But um, curious just in terms of if you think, you know, they could make make a run for it come, come March. The more I'm thinking about it, and you just gave a really great case there, it seems like they just have so much depth and they could be a, a pretty good team come March. Yeah, for sure. And they absolutely seem to be the best team in the ACC. And if I were to buy the ACC as a conference, it would likely be because of Virginia. Um, I, I'm still not completely sure they're like, you know, headed towards the final four, but they seem to be at least one of the better teams in college basketball right now. And, um, yeah, I still do remember them getting shellacked by uh, Gonzaga. But, yeah, just a lot of shooting there. Um, Trey Murphy has been a guy who's been getting NBA attention as well just because he is a tremendous shooter. Um, and they just seem to have, like, some great balance. And, of course, Tony Bennett um, has done an outstanding job coaching the team. Yeah, I think the the one thing and and last year if the tournament had happened, they had they were they had reeled off, you know, eight or nine in a row. But last year I was definitely looking forward to picking slash betting against them in the first uh, maybe not the first round, but definitely the first weekend. Um thinking that mm-hmm. that you know, their their seed would have been higher than their actual talent level, which I could once again see a little bit this year with just kind of running through the ACC, getting a high seed and then uh, you know, maybe they're not as as talented as as that. But once again, you're playing good defense and you're shooting 40% from three. That's uh, and, and you make your free throws and you don't turn the ball over. That's that's a pretty nice nice thing. Um, and in general, definitely would not mind if a NBA franchise threw a lot of money at Tony Bennett Bennett someday. But unfortunately, I don't see see that happening. Um, but Moving, I guess, from a you know East Coast to the West Coast, I want to toss it to you in terms of, you know, uh, maybe throw out a Pac-12 team uh, that has either caught your attention or that you that you've watched. I know your Ducks are currently on a little hiatus, but are there any other teams of of interest in in the Pac-12? I would say the team that has well, one team that I think you can definitely sell at this point is. Arizona State, who <laughs> somehow is one in five in conference. Um, I, w- my brother and I for Viveland actually did a Pac-12 preseason breakdown, and I had Arizona State five, which I think was a lot lower than other people, but I did not see this coming. Um, but the team that I had for is currently fourth in fourth place in the conference, and. Uh, Arizona has been playing pretty well over the last little while. They have some impressive freshmen and um, some good returnees um, that have kind of helped them. So they've been, I think, one of the more intriguing teams in the conference. 
Um, yeah, like uh, James Akinjo is their leading scorer, and he was a transfer from Georgetown. Um, unfortunately, that had injury to Jamal Baker, who is a, a great shooter and um, played for Kentucky uh, until last year. Um, but uh, Benedict Mathurin, their uh, freshman wing, has been really, really an intriguing player and uh, has stood out for them. So, yeah, have you had a chance to – what do you think of Arizona and what do you think their chances are of holding up in the Pac-12? Uh, well, I, I can say I have not even – I have not seen Arizona play a game. Uh, in large part, they're definitely uh, surpassing any expectations that, that I had. Uh, I thought they were going to be, you know, probably mid, mid-level – Pac-12 team, but they are playing extremely well. Um, you know, in, in terms of the tournament, you know, could, could win a game or two, but I don't. I don't think they have staying power. But that's not to yeah. say that they're, they're not playing better than a lot of expectations. But I'm, I'm curious. I ha- have been following their their stats. So in terms of Mathurin, um, what you know, he I, kind of a Canadian background, but I'm curious. Uh, kind of his, you know, his background and what his expectations were coming into the season. Yeah, he actually was with uh, the NBA Academy in uh, Mexico and um, is originally from Montreal. But um, he he was somebody that I was really kind of crossing my fingers would maybe be at a a Nike Hoop Summit. Uh, Didn't get a chance to really see much of him in high school, just kind of caught some highlights. But he um, is just a really athletic, really quick, um, shooting really well currently, and um, has started off being kind of like the um, explosive player off of the bench, but just has given them a, a real offensive kick and has some ability to get to the basket, get to the free throw line. Um, so, yeah, he's, I think, been uh, – really pleasant surprise for them as a freshman. I, I think they were uh, originally uh, starting Dale and Terry. And then, um, yeah. And then the other freshman who I think has done quite well for Arizona is um, Azulis Tubelis and or Tubelis, I think is how it's pronounced. And uh, he is just this really strong, big from Lithuania, has some skill, can step out a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's been uh a force inside the paint for Arizona. Um, they had like some of those late signings in their recruiting class, which really intrigued me. And a few of them haven't even uh, come to campus yet, but I, I hear that um, Kirk, Kirk Krisa, who's from Estonia might be uh, eligible in February. And he would be somebody who I think would give them even further depth and, maybe a fill-in for uh, Baker, who I, I think might be out for quite a while. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue their play. But, yeah, you know, Arizona State, I thought, with some of their freshman talent coming in, mixed with Remy Martin and Alonzo Verge, that they would, yeah. uh, you know, that they, they were going to be challenging for the Pac-12 title. But, obviously, that that did not did not happen. Um, switching yeah. gears, kind of talk about, a few players. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, one, just wanted to talk briefly on Dayron Sharp, North Carolina freshman, who, at least in 
kind of all the mock drafts I've seen now. I know obviously in, in these a lot, a lot changes, uh, one from the beginning of the season to middle of the season to, to end of the season, but he started to, you know, really see anywhere from 15 to 25 I've seen. Um, and I think he's been kind of a guy who has been fun to watch with how hard he plays. He's been dominating the offensive, offensive glass, um, doing well in the defensive glass, shot blocking, uh, kind of a very astute passer, um, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of made clear he has one go-to move on offense with his with his right, you know, go over his left shoulder for a right-hand hook. Um, and sometimes he's moving a little too fast. Um, so in my mind, I think he's a guy that would definitely kind of increase his long-term ability by staying one more year and kind of improving on the skill set. But that could obviously be hard to do if millions of dollars are promised to you. Um, so I'm curious your take on Dayron right now. Yeah, he was one of the freshmen that stood out early just because his numbers kind of jumped off the page. Um, not to mention the fact that he is a great passer. He has the, the physical tools that you're looking for in a big and the, the quick decision-making to go along with that. And he was actually a player that I mentioned in uh, the NBA Draft Junkies podcast I did on Under the Radar Prospects, um, with that term being pretty loose. But, yeah, he was he was a guy that – I felt kind of stood out. Um, he, uh, I, like, the more that I'm looking at it, I, I'm thinking closer to what you're saying, Sean, and I could see him being a, a candidate to come back and just try and work on maybe, like, refining his post game and uh, just, yeah, getting a, a little more ready for the NBA. Um, but it just seems like in terms of impact and uh, what he's, been able to do in the minutes allotted to him he's been pretty impressive and then when you mix that in with maybe some of the other freshmen who haven't really stood out as much or haven't been as much of an impact uh at the ncaa level i I think that that's possibly what makes him so interesting um especially like there aren't tons of big men in this draft either so he it's possible that like you know that uh shortage could give him an increase in stock. Um, plus he has the, uh, at least the Tony Bradley skill of uh, getting copious amounts of offensive rebounds. Um, and we saw that that led to Tony Bradley taking an early entrance into the NBA. It did. And, and saw him getting a, a, into the second contract. Granted, he spent the majority of his first two years in the G league um, before, you know, the third year, getting some more playing time. Um, so, you know, it's interesting of should he stay or should he go and how that uh, how that can kind of affect one way or the other a player's potential earnings, uh, which I think could definitely be a long discussion for another for another time because I'm curious your, your take on that. But um, you had mentioned kind of, I guess, under the radar players. I'm going to go with two players from kind of mid- mid-majors that definitely aren't really on any first or second round mock drafts and probably won't be, but two guys that I'm, uh, I'm kind of intrigued by. So one Terry Taylor from Austin P, Austin P who we talked about last time. So kind of a six, five, uh, averaging 21, 11, uh, 
shooting 32% from three, which obviously isn't great, but is kind of where he's been at for his career. But definitely, even though he's listed as a guard, uh, is really kind of an undersized big who I think yeah. could benefit from how the game is moving these days. Um, and fun fact, he was actually the conference freshman rookie of the year. Well, freshman and rookie of the like, freshman of the year um, over one John Morant uh, when they were both freshmen in the OVC, and then the other guy is uh, Mr. Matt Lewis from James Madison, who uh, one of my friends has been telling me about for years and years. Um, he's a Bishop O'Connell guy, so played with Nate Watson and Xavier Johnson. He's currently. Uh, 6'5", but he's averaging 21, five rebounds, four assists a game. And kind of going into CA play, uh, I thought he had to improve his three-point shooting. And right now, he has definitely done that early on. He had nine threes against Towson and is shooting, I think, around 50% from behind the arc in conference play. Granted, it's, it's been only a few games. But for him, you know, he, he tested the waters like so many players did after their junior year. Uh, came back the CAA lost a lot so he is in contention for a potential CAA player of the year but with his size ball handling and if he can keep his shooting up I think he could be you know I guess uh, he could draw some interest um, when it comes to maybe a two-way type contract so those are just two names that I'm going to throw out there I don't know if you've you know, know much about either one or if there's there's any other guys that you kind of have on have on your radar. But Matt Lewis and Terry Taylor are two guys for me. And actually while I'm talking, a, a third guy, you know, when I, I watched him play for a few minutes and I I didn't love him, but a guy, Danny Pippen from Kent State, has putting up been putting up some absolute monster numbers. I think today he had thirty four and eleven. Um so he's kind of a six nine big guy that can shoot. And actually shot it well against UVA. Um, I don't think he moves well enough for the NBA, but could be a G League guy. So those are kind of three, I guess, mid-major guys that I've kind of been been following this year. That's good stuff. I actually watched some Terry Taylor after you talked about him last time. And, uh, yeah, just seems to be this really skilled, undersized big. And I, I don't know where guard really comes from with him. Uh, I guess he does. <laughs> have like some of that skill set, but he, um, yeah, it's just super strong. And I think just from looking at the defensive numbers, like he, he has like really low um, deal and block percentages. Like I just kind of wonder how that would play as far as going to the NBA and like, you know, what his role would be there. Um, but yeah, he certainly is like, just a, a monster college player. Um, the other two players that you mentioned, Matt Lewis and Danny Pippen, are players that I will need to definitely watch. Um, but, yeah, I just love that you're giving me these names, and uh, they're, at the very least, very fun players who likely have pro careers um, somewhere. Yeah, well, you mentioned Terry Taylor, and, and really from his freshman through junior year, his block rate you know, wasn't amazing, but it was uh, – it was it was respectable kind of in the almost 4% and now it's mm-hmm. down below, below 2%. So I yeah. guess he's, uh, he's been focused a little more on the offensive uh, end of the floor this year, but um, 
you know, once again, if he can kind of get some of that defensive ability back, I think he could be intriguing and, you know, maybe it would be a guy that goes overseas and does well and, and then gets some, some looks kind of like a PJ Tucker granted PJ was doing things at the high, you know, the highest of levels in in college. But, you know, once again, it's a, a guy every now and then when you throw on ESPN plus um, or there, you know, Murray state, Belmont, et cetera, it's kind of a fun, fun player to watch. Um, Definitely. With that, any, you know, is, I guess going in once again, the halfway point, um, SEC, Big 12 showdown going forward, are any, there any things that you're on the lookout? I know you mentioned obviously Gonzaga Baylor being in the kind of the top tier and then really a lot of kind of teams after that. But what uh, what's Mikey V going to be watching the next next few weeks? Sean, have you heard of this player named Sharif Cooper? (laughs) 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 Um, He came out of the gate for Auburn. You obviously alluded to it earlier where Auburn wasn't really a a team of much much interest. Um, And Sharif Cooper came out of the gate and um, has just been like, I would say one of the greater shows in college basketball so far and in just like pretty odd ways because he's maybe six feet tall. He doesn't shoot. He gets to the basket at will and like lives at the free throw line and is a tremendous passer, like globs, dumps, kickouts. He he's uh He's really making the team so much better on offense. Like, when I watch Auburn, I, I kind of feel like it's almost like Allen Iverson in 2001, where they have this defensive team that is kind of keeping the game close, and Sharif is just running their offense to hopefully give them the edge. And uh, it hasn't always worked, but it's, it's been very fun so far. And I still don't know what to think about him as an NBA prospect. So I'm throwing it to you. Um, I did have him in my draft lottery because he's just so unique in terms of his burst and his ability to finish around the basket. And then I, I just think that there's something special in terms of his playmaking ability as well. So, um, but yeah, his not shooting, his um, somewhat apathetic nature as a defender, uh, those are things that kind of uh, had me a little apprehensive. So I, I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic about Sharif right now. But uh, what have your thoughts been on Sharif Cooper so far? Well, I'd say the main game was South Carolina that I had on kind of passingly. Um, but once again, that was such a blowout. It was it was kind of hard to, to get a true gauge. Um, you know, he went for 16 and 12 that game. Um, mm-hmm. Actually hit two of three from three, uh, which was really two out of his, his five makes so far. Um, so I think 27 attempts. Him, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, entering Caleb Love territory uh, with, with that. <laughs> but I, I think but for the him, two point percentage. A, he, yeah, two point, well, and, and, you know, free throw, he's shooting 80%. So, um, yeah. but, but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of an athletic, uh, athletic, playmaking guard. I mean, right now in terms of Ken Palm, one of his player comparisons is, is John Morant. So 
you know, that obviously shows kind of the playmaking and explosiveness. Um, I think mm -hmm. in terms of uh, kind of how Auburn has turned around and the tempo, as, as we mentioned, that they're, they're playing at. Um, so I, I'd say the jury's still out in terms of a draft prospect. He definitely needs to kind of be able to show he can, he can knock down the three. Um, but once again, he sure. kind of came in, came in late. He's only played six games. Um, but I think coming this week, going against Baylor, and then the second half of the SEC will be, will be interesting. So I'd say the Auburn Baylor game is probably the one I'm most uh, interested in this weekend. And yeah. then, um, you know, another guy in Auburn is Alan Flanagan, who has been interested. I know he was on Sports Center the other day for his uh, his dunk down the lane that he had. Um, yeah, against Missouri. Yep. So once again, here's a team that was kind of getting throttled. Um, you know, went into overtime against a poor St. Joe's team and lost big to Gonzaga and then to UCF, um, not to mention four in a row in the uh, SEC. But now they've won kind of four of their, four of their last five and are kind of a team that's that's writing, writing the ship. So once again, I think Sharif, Cooper, and Auburn are, are a, team, a team to watch, uh, especially from an entertainment perspective. Absolutely. And then... Another player that I want to talk about, um, he unfortunately was on the sidelines during the Oregon-Oregon State game, but was unable to play due to COVID protocol, um, which makes so little sense to me um, because if I don't know why – I don't know why they're at the game if they had, like, issues with COVID protocol. Like, I, I guess, like, you know, maybe getting back. But, yeah. Beyond me, um, Chris Duarte <laughs> has been putting up some fantastic numbers over um, the first bit of the Pac-12 season. And then the last few games that Oregon played, he kind of went on these like mini runs to either get them back in the game or to uh, help them win the game. But he is – I know he's 24. He – does a fantastic job of playing passing lanes. He's shooting close to uh, 46% from three. He's shooting 87% from the free throw line. Um, can make some plays also off of the bounce. So, yeah, he's uh, just, I, I think, having a, a great senior year and um, playing with uh, a former teammate of his from the D Dominican Republic in uh, LJ Figueroa and Chris Duarte, like before all of this turmoil with Oregon, I, I think he was one of the favorites for Pac-12 player of the year. And Oregon was one of the favorites in the Pac-12. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I, I've seen him at least on a few draft boards and uh, it seems like he's a kind of a consensus, like second round pick at this point. Um, which is, I, I think is great because he was one of their standout players last year and has come back and uh, I think just become that much more consistent this year and much more confident in his shooting. Yeah, I think really kind of mid-December he's been, been playing really well and you know, anytime you're shooting 46% from the three-point line to go along with, as you mentioned, a lot of the, the defensive abilities and his, his steal percentage and even block percentage for his size yeah. definitely make him make him in, intriguing. And 
another, you know, once he does get back, kind of another Oregon duck to to watch uh, the second half of the season. Um, but I guess kind of closing it out, a, a Oregon duck. I know he got just got injured, but uh, Peyton Pritchard um, obviously has been doing the duck faithful proud uh, in Boston and in the NBA and is a guy that the NBA scouts had been probably watching since he was a sophomore in high school at the, you know, the hoop summit practice. You know, it. Four, four <laughs> years at, at Oregon with a final four. And, you know, once again, here's a guy that, you know, probably was a little dismissed, but here he is ready to play um, kind of coming into the NBA. And I think, you know, that camp, I think that's been a trend for a lot of the seniors that have been drafted in the first round, whether it's Cam Johnson, you know, Desmond Bain or Peyton Pritchard, that they've been ready to contribute right off the bat. Um, but just a shout out to your boy Peyton for how he was playing early on. Yeah. Unfortunately he had that uh, knee sprain uh, with his right MCL, but I, I heard that at least it was, to the point where he might only miss a few weeks because that could be a really serious injury. But um, the thing that I just have been really impressed with, not only was it the fact that they were playing so much better, like with Peyton in the lineup and even having him playing like some closing minutes. And of course he hit that game winning uh, offensive rebound put back against uh, Miami, but um, the respect from his teammates and just them kind of loving to have this guy play with them and uh, his ability to, to play off the ball, how well he was shooting, like that, that translation. And I, I think he just has put in so much work. And the thing that you really noticed, like with Peyton Pritchard as a senior, was just how much stronger he had gotten since he had gotten on campus. And he was just driving through people at times. And I, I think that's really helped with the NBA physicality. So thank you so much for shouting out Peyton Pritchard. And it has been a lot of fun to see him getting some playoffs or some uh, playing time with a, a playoff team. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I guess on the, the Peyton Pritchard note, we'll, we'll wrap things up. So want to thank you for coming back onto the podcast and kind of kicking this back into, back into gear. Uh, and once again, uh, definitely go listen to the Viseland podcast, which comes out really every kind of Wednesday morning, early afternoon, um, kind of on a very uh, normal cadence. So definitely give that a listen. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Always great to talk with you. And thanks so much for shouting out Viseland. Want to shout out Perspective Insight as well. But um, yeah, everybody also subscribe to the Sean Mo Hoops podcast. Always great to be on your podcast, and I listen to them every time you have a, a new guest on as well. So thank you, Sean. Sounds good. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Sean Mohoops pod, uh, first one in 2021. Uh, so looking forward to coming back next week.